The following is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to Life as a Life Schooler, where we talk about how to merge life with homeschooling. I'm Danielle Papa Giorgio, and today I just want to take some time and talk to you about some of my favorite homeschooling books. And what I thought we'd do is divide this into two sections. So this podcast, I'm going to talk about some of my favorite books that are um, more to do with the educational philosophy. So we're going to talk a little philosophy this time. And then in the next podcast, the second episode, we'll talk more about the nuts and bolts, sort of the how-to, some of my favorite books that get into that. So there's just something about winter that sort of lends itself to reading, don't you think? It's just that time of year when you want to grab a, some sort of comfort food and maybe your favorite hot drink and just curl up by a fire and read a good book. And there are even cultural traditions centered around reading during the winter months, which you may not know about. Um, for example, in Iceland, they celebrate something called, I don't know if I'm going to get this word right, <laughs> bear with me, Jolabaka Flod. And I'm sure I totally mispronounced it. But what this is, how it's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The meaning of that word is Christmas Book Flood. And so what they do is everyone will exchange books on Christmas Eve and then they stay up all night, curled up with their favorite new books um, on Christmas Eve and the whole family stays up all night and reads and nibbles on chocolate, which I think is a really awesome sounding idea and I could adopt such a tradition. But I think it's important. Reading is such an important part of our lives. You know, the greatest book ever written is the Bible. God put all of his, his wisdom and, and instructions for life in a book. And so I think it's really important that we encourage ourselves in this habit of reading, and perhaps more so as life schoolers, because our children will naturally follow in our footsteps. Um, that phrase more is caught than taught. I really think that that's true, and it's something that I've been paying closer attention to lately in my life and really trying to improve on these areas that I'm seeing my children follow in my footsteps. And, and some of these areas are not so flattering to me. And so I think it's important that, that we do what we want our children to do, that we lead by example. So this is an important way to do that, is develop your own love for reading. So despite my love for reading, I definitely need to be more intentional about this. And I'm sure that as a busy life schooling mom, you could probably say the same thing. And I also think that it's important that we sharpen ourselves in our quote-unquote profession. You know, there's such thing as continuing education, and that's something that we need to be doing as life schooling moms. So that is why I decided to do this series on my favorite homeschooling books. And as I said, I'm dividing it into two sections because I think, you know, obviously you could further subdivide this into all kinds of little subsections. But I thought if we just do two main sections, you know, this is really, when you boil it down, a homeschooling book is either 
focused more on the philosophy of education or it's focused more on the nuts and bolts and how to once you have that philosophy. So I want to encourage you to check out these books. Commit to reading some new books this year. And just kind of go through these. You know, I have the write-up, the show notes as well, with some links there that you can click over and get more information about the various books that I'm going to be talking about. But I want to just give you a brief overview, as briefly as I can, because some of these books, I mean, these are the cream of the crop in my estimation. And so it's hard to be brief, but we're just going to kind of go through these, and then you can do a little more of your own uh, research and looking up and decide which ones you want to add to your libraries. So my first book that I want to recommend to you is called Gifted Raising Children Intentionally and this book was written by Chris Davis a few years ago. Chris Davis is a pioneer homeschooler. He is one of the early homeschoolers of the movement who was doing it back before it was even legal in this country. So I just think you probably know by now, now that you've listened to enough of my podcast, you've probably gotten the feel for, um, you've probably kind of uh, inferred this from my podcast, but I love the veteran homeschoolers and I just believe that their voices are so crucial to us nowadays. And it makes me sad that um, many of them, because of health issues, you know, they're, they're, um, they're getting older and a lot of them are having more health issues related to that or um, are, are passing away. John Taylor Gatto, who I'm going to talk about in a little bit, is um, one of the authors of one of the books I'm going to recommend to you. He was not a homeschooler, but he just passed away this past year and has an amazing philosophy of education that many homeschoolers, many homeschoolers have read his books and just um, love what he has to say about education and homeschooling. So I just think it's so important that we get to know these veteran homeschoolers, these pioneers who really paved the way for us. And that wisdom, they have years of experience, not just with homeschooling, but just with life in general and so much wisdom to share with us. So this book has been very impactful on me um, years ago, I read a blog post that Chris wrote about education and finding our children's gifts, and I was just so excited about it because I really felt like he captured in this article what had been on my heart, what God had been doing in my heart, and and just things that he had been revealing to me. And so reading that article, for me, it was just the validation that I needed that really said, it's okay, you can homeschool this way. You can life school, as I like to call it. And it works because he is one of those that paved the way, one of those that early homeschoolers that did it and has the evidence to prove <laughs> that it can work. So he graduated three boys who, despite their extremely different educational philosophy and practice in their home, um, they all went on to be very successful business owners, and um, I believe all three of them actually own a business or went went the entrepreneurial path to some degree or another. So 
this book, it's impossible to narrow down to one of my favorite parts, but I'm going to give you, you know, like, I don't think I could say this is my one favorite part, but there are a lot of really good parts in this book. And one of them that I really loved is where he talks about the importance of blessing our children, particularly fathers. You know, there's the example of that throughout scripture where fathers bless their children. And I think we can read over that, sort of skim over it and not fully grasp the impact of what was going on there. And so Chris Davis in his book talks about that a little more in depth and and how we should be looking for the gifts and the abilities that we see in our children and calling those out, really saying, you know, son or daughter, you know, I see in you this gift and and you're somebody who is talented in this area or even not necessarily talents, but but also character qualities. You know, you are such a loving person and I've noticed how you just take those who are struggling under your wing and you want to mentor them and help them and that's something God's going to use powerfully in your life. You know, when we speak these words of encouragement to our children, that's powerful to them. There's something to that. And so I think it's so important that we do this. And he goes on to say that once we have blessed our children in this way, it's our responsibility to do two things in order to help our children to develop these gifts that we see in them. First, we need to resource what that child needs. And then secondly, we need to give the child the gift of time. As, as he puts it, sufficient time to become eminently qualified in the field of his giftings. So what does it take to become eminently qualified? Um, you know, I think it just, it takes us as parents being willing to do that, to allow our children to have this time that is so precious where they can develop their gifts and then to sacrifice for our children financially set aside, save up money in order to be able to give them what they need, the books, the resources, computers, instruments, whatever it is that will help them to develop those gifts that are in them. And Davis did this himself. He actually purchased a big, large amount of programming books for his son who was interested in computer programming. And um, as he put it, he wanted to learn all the computer programs currently in use. Well, today he's a very successful computer program and actually owns his own business. So that investment that his father made in his education paid off and was valuable in the long run. So strongly encourage you to check out that book. One of my favorites. We actually gave it away um, one year at our life schooling conference when that was a live event this year. In case you are not aware, we are putting it on as an online event. So I'm very excited about that. Definitely going to be sharing more about that as time goes on and where you can purchase tickets. But uh, that was a book that I felt was valuable enough to give to our attendees that year. Another book that I want to share with you is called Upgrade. 10 Secrets to the Best Education for Your Child by Kevin Swanson. 
And he actually came and spoke at our conference last year, had a very dynamic presentation for us. Um, if you haven't ever heard him, he's, he's a, I think dynamic is the best word I could use to describe Kevin Swanson's style. Um, but this book, it's one of the simplest yet most profound books on education that I've come across. He, what Swanson does is he really breaks down the idea of what education is and what makes it good. And when you're reading it, you're just, you find that you're just taken along on this path and you're nodding your head. Yes, 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 I agree. And before you know it, you're saying homeschooling is the best way. And so I think it's the kind of book that you could hand to anybody without being offensive. And they would read it and just have to conclude that homeschooling is the best educational option and the one that best fits with a biblical form of discipleship and mentorship. So I would highly recommend having this book on your shelf and, you know, loaning it out to those who may have an interest in, in reading a book about education and who may, you know, those ones that you're subtly trying to persuade. <laughs> um, it's a great book for, for just making the case for you. So here are the 10 secrets that Swanson lays out in his book. Number one, the preeminence of character. Number two, quality one-on-one -on -one instruction. Number three, the principle of protection. Number four, the principle of individuality, which is something that we stress in life schooling. Number five, the rooting in relationships, such a crucial aspect. To homeschooling and to a good education. Six, the principle of doing the basics well. Seven, the principle of life integration. Sounds like life schooling. Eight, maintaining the honor and mystique of learning. Nine, build on the right foundation. And ten, the principle of wise sequential progression. And it was very interesting because I actually had the opportunity last year to be interviewed by Kevin Swanson as, at his home studio for one of his podcast episodes. And it was funny to see the similarities that we had in our educational philosophies. In fact, he asked me, he's like, oh, so you must have read my book, um, Upgrade. And he handed it to me. I'm like, no, <laughs> I never read that book. But as he said, you know, we had both read another book, <laughs> the book, and it's interesting when, when, you, when you just start to gain wisdom by being in the Word, a lot of these things really start to make sense. Just the focus on relationships, on mentorship, on, on just a form of education that really follows more of a biblical model of discipleship like Jesus did with his disciples. So that was a very enlightening um, experience for me. And if you haven't heard that episode, I'll put a link in, in the show notes as well that you can go and check that out. Another book I want to share with you is called Dumbing Us Down by John Taylor Gatto. As I mentioned earlier, um, John Taylor Gatto just passed away this past year, um, but he was very influential in the homeschooling movement and just in education in general. Um, this book I read 
fairly early on in my homeschooling journey, and it really impacted my belief in homeschooling, that not only was this a viable option for education, but it's actually the best form. I think it really solidified my, um, I mean, I'm kind of stubborn. So I, I think I've always been, been really set in this is what we're doing. But of any of the books I've read, I think this really, um, really made me dig my heels in even more. That this is, this is the best form of education for our children. And there is no way that I would ever put my children into public education um, as long as I can help it. So John Taylor Gatto, I think I mentioned this earlier, he was an educator in the public school system in New York City. He taught for over 30 years. He even won the Teacher of the Year Award for New York State. But his methods and beliefs were very atypical. Um, it's very interesting <laughs> to read some of his books and, and see the kinds of things that he allowed his students to do because he just, he really understood that these children in this setting, they need freedom. They need to feel autonomous and to feel as though their gifts, their particular gifts and strengths matter. Um, because, you know, when you're in that that education system, it's very much a system, and you pretty much have to fit in that round peg. And if you're a square, in that round hole, rather, and if you're a square peg, then you're getting those corners chopped off. You know, there's no value in children who think outside the box or children who are highly creative. Um, they just don't fit in that system as well. So he had some very unique methods and ways of doing things as a teacher um, where he really encouraged his children, his students, in, in their various strengths and giftings. So in this book, Dumbing Us Down, Gatto starts by telling us what he does wrong as a school teacher. And it's interesting the book actually starts with his acceptance speech for the the Teacher of the Year Award that he won. And he won it several years, I think, at least two. So it was really interesting to just dive right in and, and read his, his speech about all the things that he did wrong as a teacher and to recognize, to realize that this was his acceptance speech. I'm thinking, did they clap? Like, what did they do when he was done? I think I, I read... I think it's in the book that you could hear a pin drop, and I imagine so. So what he says in this presentation and in, in, in his speech, which is in the book, is that his job as a public educator was to teach, one, confusion, two, class position, three, indifference, four, emotional dependency, five, intellectual dependency, six, provisional self-esteem, and seven, that one can't hide. Very interesting points. And I won't go into them too in-depth here, partially because we don't have a lot of time, but partially honestly, because it's been years since I read the book. So just time for a little bit of honesty there. Um, but it's very interesting. And I remember reading through these and as he explained each one and just thinking wow he is so right because when you understand the history of the public education system and why it was instituted which 
sounds like a crazy conspiracy theory, but honestly, it is, it is true. The public education system was instituted to teach children how to be workers in a new economy, in the industrial age. And you can go back and you can do your own study and just look at history and it's all there. It's, it's just plain as day. And so in order to teach children how to be conformists, there's a, it's, it's not so much about what, what they were teaching in public education, but about how they were teaching and, and how they were training children to conform and to fit in and to, to compete and all of these things. So it's, it's just a fascinating book. Um, fairly short. If you want to get into more of the history and, and, um, and just how public education came about, the dark side of it, then I would recommend also his book, which I haven't read yet, so I didn't include it on this list. But it's called the, An Underground History of American Education. And that's just become basically a classic, particularly for homeschoolers. So that's another one, though I haven't read it. I think I've read the first chapter and definitely worth checking into. The next book I want to recommend to you is called Einstein Never Used Flashcards by Kathy Hirsch Pasek, PhD, and Roberta Michik Golenkoff, PhD. So try to say those names five times fast. Um, but this book was excellent. I have actually not finished it. In fact, I've started, I couldn't even say I've gotten a quarter of the way through. But it's a very good book. And the thing that I like about it is that it is written by two scientists. So all the things that you hear about learning, how children learn, education, all of these things, to have it, come from the perspective of two scientists who have actually done studies or researched into the studies that have been done was very fascinating. And really, just the small portion that I've been able to read so far has been very, uh, just fascinating and enlightening. For example, we have a lot of really myths about education and how children learn. And these things are based on studies oftentimes, but the information from those studies has really been misinterpreted and manipulated sometimes. Um, sometimes by companies who stand to gain a profit, like toy companies who want to do all these toys with classical music, for example, because they are... are um, perpetuating the idea that children are smarter if you give them lots of classical music as they're developing, that this somehow makes their brains um, smarter and gives them higher IQs. That's called the Mozart effect, and that is actually just nothing but a myth. It's based on some studies, but the one study that it's, it's mainly based on was refuted by further studies. So it wasn't even a, a very good study to begin with. So it was just really interesting to look into that more and learn more about some of these myths and ideas that we have that are not true. Of course, one thing that we hear all the time is how valuable play is for children. 
we hear it all the time and yet we still somehow think that we have to stick them behind a desk and give them a curriculum right when they turn five. And it's just not true. And that was one reason I wanted to read this book is because they have an entire chapter called Play, The Crucible of Learning, where they talk about just the real value of play for children, how much they learn just through simple playing, whereas to us as adults, it looks like they're getting nothing accomplished. They're doing nothing. They're just sitting there playing with their dolls and talking back and forth. Da, 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 da. It's like, how, how can that be valuable? But it truly is for children. And I think that that is just an encouragement particularly for those of you who may be feeling stressed that you're not doing enough um, with your young children. I think this book would be an encouragement to you to really see from the perspective of scientists who have studied this whole subject of learning in depth to see that they really are learning more than you think. And you really don't have to be there for every second of the day. I mean, play with them. Sure, that's wonderful. But it's okay if you need to teach your older children and give your younger ones some toys to play with. Maybe, you know, have some certain toys. This is just off off the cuff, but have certain toys that you reserve just for learning time and pull those out so it's a special time when your little ones get to do their own exploring and playing while your older ones, you can spend more time with them in more focused one-on-one um, teaching time. Just a thought there for you. So the final book I want to mention is called The Joy of Relationship Homeschooling When the One Another's Come Home by Karen Campbell. I'm actually reading this book right now and I'm finding it hard to put down because I just I love it so much. It's it's just so focused on the Bible and just wisdom that can be gleaned from just just simple Bible study, really. Um, that's what I love about the book, is it's just so saturated with scripture and, and just a biblical perspective and worldview. It's kind of funny. I actually went to school with Karen Campbell's daughter. I didn't know her well, but we were in college together, and I you know, knew her from a distance. And then here we are years later, and I stumbled across somehow, I think I stumbled across her Instagram or something through her daughter. I'm like, I didn't, didn't even know. I had no idea that her daughter was homeschooled, much less homeschooled by a pioneer homeschooler who spoke at conventions and wrote books and did all of this stuff. I just had no idea. So that's been kind of fun. But this is a book that, Again, I just think it's so filled with practical biblical wisdom that would be good for moms everywhere. But Karen's goal is really to help us see that the most important aspect of homeschooling is not the academics, but it's relationships. It's about practicing the one another's of scripture. You know, the Bible says, love one another, serve one another, submit to one another. All of these one another verses that we can bring in to our homeschooling life just so naturally in everything that we do on a daily basis, whether it be academics or extracurricular things. Um, it's just the way that we should be living together, building these strong relationships and putting those as the priority, not the academics. Um, you know, academics and all of these things are important. And 
I'm sure you've heard me say that before. It's not that I'm against academics. It's just that we have to seek first God's kingdom and trust that when we do that, he will hold to his promise of adding all these things to us. If it's necessary and important, then as we are committed to doing the right thing and honoring him, then he's going to bring all of those other things about. He's going to fill in the gaps with the academics and whatever else that our children need. I love this quote from the book. Typically, the first question asked by new homeschoolers is, what curriculum should we use? Assuming that academic success ought to be the first priority. And yet, if happiness in life is most fully measured by the success of our relationships, why is it so rare to hear someone talk about the dynamics involved in building sound relationships, especially those based on the commands given in Scripture? that was such a good point that she makes because she precedes this by talking about how they've done surveys of people and far and away by a majority people will say that the most important thing in their lives is not their job or anything else it's the success of their relationships they don't care about success in their careers or, or anything else as much as they care about success in their relationships. But yet, somehow there's a disconnect there when we're homeschooling. And, and we seem to think that we have to focus on the academics rather than the relationships. And I really think it's fear-driven. We talk about this all the time um, on this show and elsewhere. I really believe that most homeschooling moms focus so heavily on relationships to the neglect of, or rather on ac academics, to the neglect of relationships because they're scared. They're scared they're going to miss something, that there's going to be the so-called holes in their children's education. And yes, there are. There are going to be holes and you will miss things, but that's how can you possibly fit in all of the learning that needs to take place in the few short years that you have your children? The most important thing is that you teach them how to learn and to love learning. But most importantly, to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, strength, and might, and your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two most important commandments. Jesus says everything can be summed up with loving God first and loving your neighbor as yourself second. So I think if Jesus thought that those two things were the most important lessons to learn in life, then we better make good and sure that as homeschooling moms, we are teaching those two lessons first and foremost, that we are making those lessons our priority. And, you know, if it's an interruption to your academics, so be it. Take that time in the morning to adjust the attitudes and to, to strengthen the relationships if your children are arguing. Work through that. Get, get those things done. And at the end of the day, if you get no academics done, but you have two children that have learned some important, valuable lessons about relationships and getting along, then you have been successful for that day and you've accomplished what God set before you might not have been what was on your to-do list or on your schedule for the day that can be frustrating <laughs> let's be honest I mean we all we all could agree that that's frustrating to us because we have our plans 
But God's plans are not our plans, and we have to be willing to let that go and to be okay when he sends us off in a new direction that's focused on these relationships. So Karen really drives this this point home um, with a story that she tells. And she talks about this famous, quote-unquote, famous homeschool veteran in her town and how everyone just looked up to this woman and wanted to know what she was doing and just really followed her methods and did what she did. And one time, Karen had the opportunity to talk with this lady, and she's really looking forward to this and excited to, to glean from her wisdom. But she was really surprised when this well-respected woman, this leader in the homeschooling world there in her community, turned and asked her, Karen, can you tell me how to have a relationship with my grown children? And then she had tears in her eyes. She asked her why she went on to talk about her daughter and all of their struggles and she said to Karen, she said, why are we not friends? How sad that this woman who seemed to have everything all right and was following the curricula to a T and and doing all these things for her children's academical academical. There's a new word. I just coined it for you today, academical. <laughs> but she was doing all of these wonderful things for her children's academic success, but yet they missed it. They failed in relationships. They got an F in relationships. I don't know about you, but I want the report cards of my children. No matter what letters are beside all of the grades, I want the the one beside relationship to say A, not F. And we don't do grades in our house, but but I know that some of you do have to have um, do have to keep up with that and give letter grades, but just a little example for you to kind of keep in mind. Maybe you need to write it somewhere with your report card. Just write that on there, relationships. Start grading it. Why not? I think it would be a good way to keep that in the forefront of your minds, to really think of that as one more subject, the subject, the most important subject. Put it at the top of that report card and think about what do my children get in this subject of relationships? Is it an A? Is it an F? Have, have we failed? Or is it somewhere in the middle? But really make that your goal to work on that as the primary focus in your homeschool. So as we wrap things up, I just hope this overview has, has been a good start for you, has given you just really a good start um, a good place to start, rather, for your planning of 2019. Plan that reading list. I think there's some great books here that you can pick up and, and just really delve into. We often plan our children's curricula, but we kind of forget that learning never stops, and we need to have continuing education as moms. So I want to encourage you to set some time apart this year for your own learning, whether you have to schedule that in or stick post-it notes to remind yourself, whatever you have to do to make sure that you are reading and, and encouraging yourself. Take some time for yourself. We need that encouragement. We need that pat on the back to say, 
you know, we might not be doing everything right, but we're doing some things right, and we're doing the most important things right. So I just encourage you to to check out these books, to to find some of the books that are already on your bookshelves, dust them off, take an, another look at them, and skim throw them again. It's actually been a really fun thing for me to do that in preparation for this podcast. So I'd encourage you to do the same. And with that, we're going to wrap it up for the day. And I wish you the very best 2019. That's Life as a Life Schooler. Hope you'll join us again next time as we talk about books for the practical how-tos of homeschooling. We'll see you next time.